0: In the instructions this morning, I want to introduce one other approach that we've sort of talked around, but I want to make it more explicit, and it's a style that I'll call choiceless attention. In our meditations so far, we've relied a lot on our primary anchor, which is the breath for most of you, and kind of uh, treated it with a preferential attitude. If... um, It becomes our home base, we sort of start there, we stay there, if anything strong takes our attention, we'll go away, but then generally we'll come back and uh, focus again on the breath. It's a very good approach for developing stability of attention in the middle of changing experience. In choiceless attention, we let go of our preference for the breath, and we simply focus on whatever's presenting itself in this new moment. So it's kind of like every moment, the mindfulness has to be really fresh and awake and you're sort of answering the question, what am I noticing now? And then a moment goes by, what am I noticing now? What am I noticing now? So you'll find as you do that, that what you notice keeps changing. In one moment it might be a sound, in the next moment it might be a body sensation then you might feel a thought, then there might be an in-breath and an out-breath, then you might notice a mood, then another body sensation. If you look closely, the attention keeps moving between these different experiences all the time. In choiceless attention, we're not choosing where to place the attention, but we're letting it do its natural thing of roaming, and we just want to be there to be mindful of wherever it's landing. So this is a very um, open kind of approach to meditation. It can feel very natural and even effortless if there's enough stability to support it. But because of this openness, sometimes it's easy for the thoughts to uh, slip away and it's easy to become distracted. So if that starts to happen as you're practicing the choiceless style, come back again to your primary anchor, say the breath, recollect the mind there, and once you feel steady, then you can try opening up again. This choiceless attention builds on all the meditation instructions that we've done so far. So I'll mention them briefly as we go into it, but the instructions for sounds, breath, sensations, emotions, and thoughts are all necessary so that you know how to relate to those phenomena before we move into this more open or choiceless approach. So we'll play with that during this period and if you find it suitable, you can bring it in in your meditations in the rest of the day as well. So beginning again, sitting comfortably, being relaxed in your body and yet also upright. So you feel alert awake but at ease. Letting the eyes gently close. can open the attention to sounds if that helps you bring in a sense of receptivity and effortless awareness. And as you rest with this attention that's fairly wide, open to all the sounds that arise, notice that everything else is also held in this kind of open space of awareness. The sounds come and go. The breath rises and falls. Sensations in the body are pulsing or vibrating or twinkling. Thoughts can enter and pass, and the mood or emotion is there, too, as a kind of background. So These are all just the natural functioning of our six senses. And in choiceless attention, we can be aware of any part of that that presents itself. So out of that whole range of appearances that we meet, just bringing the attention first to breathing, feeling the breath through the whole body, or in the area where it's clearest to you, could be in the abdomen, the chest, or at the tip of the nose. Noticing any other sensations that are apparent throughout the body, just feeling their bare physical actuality of tingling or pulsing, pressure or warmth or coolness, ache or bliss, letting that sensation be directly known with mindfulness, bringing the attention close to it, feeling it just the way it is. Mindfulness is equally able to be with an unpleasant sensation as with a pleasant sensation. Noticing the mood or emotion that's present. Could be one of the hindrance energies, wanting or aversion, sleepiness, restlessness, doubt. Could be one of the beautiful qualities of mind concentration, peace, metta, compassion. Not needing to make that state of mind go away or last any longer than its nature is to last. Just being present, to feel it just the way it is, to know it. These moods aren't you or yours, they're just like clouds systems of weather coming into this space of awareness. They arrive, they last for a while, and they pass too, due to their own causes and conditions. And then noticing any thoughts that are appearing, persisting, and then passing away. When mindfulness is strong, you can see thoughts as another present moment phenomenon without getting lost in their content. You'll still know the content, but it won't throw you off your present moment seat. staying anchored in the present, letting the thought arise and pass. So anything now that arises in our field of experience as we sit can be the subject for our mindfulness. We can pay clear attention and know it just as it is. So now allowing the attention to become choiceless, not directed in any particular way, not necessarily to breath or body or sounds, just open. Open in a way that you have a real interest in a freshness of looking. What am I noticing now? And then let the mindfulness connect with that. Not needing to become fixed on it. Let the mindfulness simply rest there if that's its choice, if that's the choice of attention but open in the next moment to the next arising, the next thing that presents itself. What am I noticing now? So in this way, the meditation becomes very fluid, very natural and unforced. Just resting in the present moment, Noticing what's appearing. Again, if you find yourself carried away with a train of thought, just notice when you return from that, appreciate that moment of being back, and then just asking again, what's happening now? What do I notice now? If you ever become confused or uncertain what to pay attention to, just go back to your home base, return to the breath, your anchor, reestablish that connection, collect the mind a little more. It's always there for us, this anchor that we've developed the relationship with. Going back, settling in, and when you feel collected again, if you like, you can open up again to this completely open attention in a choiceless style, just noticing what's happening now, moment after moment. So a couple of um, announcements before we take comments and questions. You may have noticed this is the last full day of the retreat. If you haven't noticed that, you get the gold award for present moment attention. So that's really good. But in context, this is the last full day. And on this retreat, um, we'd like to allow time for you all to get together with each other for some discussion. And we'll do some of that this afternoon and some of that tomorrow morning. So there will actually be two opportunities for you to meet in smaller groups and to talk about uh, the impact, perhaps, of mindfulness in your life and your work. So we'll begin some integration this afternoon uh, at the 2.15 SIT. So we'd like to ask everyone to please come to the SIT at 2.15. We'll start with a gentle return to uh, mindful speaking with one another. And then that will be the prelude to dividing into smaller groups and having some discussion among yourselves. Then we'll come back into the large group and we'll hear from the smaller group. So we'll get a sense of the creative juices at work in the whole group when we come back together. Tea time will be a little later today. Uh, and We'll go back into silence at tea time and then in silence for the rest of the evening and through, uh, I think, through breakfast tomorrow morning. Tomorrow morning, again, at closing, we'll have more opportunity for talking about taking the practice home and into the world, and also for you to discuss with each other. So that's the general flow of the rest of today and uh, tomorrow. We'll end about 11 tomorrow morning. So in the meantime, we are still um, in the momentum of the retreat. You all have worked very hard to get to this point. A lot of moments of mindfulness have built up, and the noble silence has supported it. So please take care with this retreat container right through uh, the morning, through lunchtime today, the break after lunch, and then coming into the 2.15 sit. Please keep that uh, the support of that silence as we go through this last morning of silent practice together, and then we'll start to open it up at 2.15. Okay, so that's the outline of the day. Any comments on your practice or questions? Yes, seated at the back. Yeah, eyes are on the floor, yeah, first. Then we'll take the chair. I found that liberating. Mm. Uh, I feel like when I have to follow my breath, I feel constricted. Mm-hmm. But my question is, can you follow more than one sense simultaneously? Mm-hmm you hmm just time slicing it, mm-hmm. catching in both, but mm-hmm. the the Good question. He said he found it freeing that when he was with the breath it felt <laughs> a little constricting when he could open it up, it felt a lot freer for him. And the question is, can you follow two things at once or is, is that apparent, following two things at once, really just rapid time slicing? Um, I'm going to leave this as an open question. And not, and not answer it, because I think it's uh, more useful to kind of investigate it yourself and come to your own uh, take on it. Uh, it's a really interesting thing to explore. Here's the way I would put the question. Can attention be with more than one thing in the same moment? Or does attention only focus on one element, one phenomenon of our whole experience in each new moment? So I'll leave that really as an open, thank you for bringing it up, and I'll leave it as an open question for everyone to explore. Because often, you know, with these questions, the investigation is the fun part. And the conclusion isn't even as important as what you learn by doing it. I'll leave that with you all. Thank you. And then there was another question right behind. Yes. comment was he found himself naming every place his attention went, and is it possible to notice without naming? It is possible to notice without naming, and the naming is actually fine too. You remember we've talked about the noting practice where with the breath we might note rise, fall, or in, out. We can do that with all the phenomena that our attention lands on and do just a short label for each one, And that can be very helpful, as it is with the breath, in maintaining a real continuity of noticing. The mental note or label is optional. But if you find it helpful, if it comes easily, and you don't find that it interferes, it can be a really good support. So we could be sitting, and we might notice rising, thinking, hearing, touching hearing, touching, just like that. And in each case, we want the, you know, the majority of our attention to be with the direct experience and have the note be really soft, kind of in the background, so the verbal doesn't overwhelm the direct experience. But it can be a very helpful way to keep um, reminding ourselves to keep paying attention. It can be really useful. Yes. I found that if I let it, my attention sped up all over the place, uh, and it needed a little bit of a direction to like not notice so much so fast. <laughs> oh. <laughs> so tell me, tell me one more thing before I repeat your question. How did you, um, how did you give it the direction not to move so quickly? Mm-hmm. So it was, I, I guess I just directed my attention in a, in a more uh, measured way, okay. um, but sort of followed it while directing it. I'm not sure how to explain it. Okay, good, thank you. His comment was that when he let his attention go, it started moving really quickly. Anybody else have that experience? Yeah, sometimes that happens. It'll you'll just see like you know ten things in a second for a while. And obviously you can't keep up noting with that rapidity, even though something's being known in each of those sort of new moments. In the Abhidhamma, which is the classical Buddhist text on psychology, they analyze these movements of attention in very, very fine detail. And they say, basically, there are many mind moments in every second. I don't know what that number is. I've heard tossed out 17 trillion, but I frankly, <laughs> I don't believe that. But um, you know, if you measure how quickly we can perceive, I think you know it could be 20 to 40, maybe things per second. Perception might be on the order of a twentieth or a fortieth of a second. Some of you know probably more than I do about this, and sometimes in the meditation we can actually see things. Move, maybe not quite that fast, but more than we can keep track of. And at that point, if it feels restless, it's fine to just slow it down a little bit. And one of the kind of metrics that I use is I I try to make a note or to emphasize a noting about every two seconds. So, kind of the pace that I was demonstrating a couple of minutes ago, that's the pace I would note at, at least in the beginning. And it can get a little quicker too. So there might be little movements in between and maybe don't pay so much attention. But maybe every couple of seconds you notice something fairly major and then you notice that, note that if you like, and that will help to slow down that rapidity of movement. But if the mind is, is steady with it, there's no problem with that rapidity. If it leads to restlessness, it's fine to slow it down. But sometimes it's just interesting to let the attention go as quick as it wants to and just see what happens. Maybe it will continue like that. Maybe it will kind of play itself out and settle down on its own. So either way would be fine. Thank you. We'll take one, one last one and move on. Um, I must have a lot of rebellious adolescent in me because when you gave me permission not to focus on my breath, <laughs> then I went right back to my breath. I'm <laughs> <laughs> Did you do that? OK. How was that? Had you been wow, making. All he has to do is tell me not to do it. <laughs> Her comment was that um, the rebellious adolescent comes through, and when I gave permission to go away from the breath, she went right back to the breath. And that was great. So before anyone had given you permission to move away from the breath, had you been out? Okay. <laughs> wide open? Okay. So if we say wide, you go narrow. If we say narrow, you go wide. Okay. Go both ways. <laughs> One more question, if there is? Ah, Our honorable taper, please. It's an observation and uh, an invitation for comments, if you think it'd be helpful. Mm -hmm. I find it um, difficult to not try to produce um, a note. For instance, um, Mm -hmm. if I don't notice an emotion for a while, Mm -hmm. so this little, oh no, I'll never have an emotion again, sort of a tendency to check my emotions rather than just wait for them to present themselves. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so taking a look to see if there's something there? Yeah, almost. I wouldn't say trying to produce something there, but checking in. Uh uh-huh, so, uh-huh. um, Having practiced with breath so much, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. not trusting it'll ever go somewhere else. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. His comment was that um, kind of turning to the open instruction, he felt almost an obligation to produce something. He's so familiar with the breath that it's very easy to go there. And in particular with emotions, um, a need to almost check to see if something's happening, because he doesn't want to miss it, because it's not noticed very often. Is that basically? No, it still could be with any sense door. Could be with any, any of the sense doors, because he's so accustomed to being with the breath. Um, Yeah, I mean, this is one of the adjustments that one makes when moving from a practice that's really strongly focused around the anchor, like the breath, and then opening it out. Uh, You have to uh, kind of find your way in that open space, and there are a lot of sort of confusing currents that can come in. Sometimes people report feeling lost or overwhelmed in the spaciousness. You know, it's kind of like the breath has been so small and cozy, it's like sitting with your best friend, and then you're thrown into the New York subway ride. Ah! So it takes a while to get uh, adjusted to the bigger frame of reference. And I would say the thing that can be helpful is if the breath still stands out, let yourself notice that. Don't feel like you have to not notice the breath. Sometimes that's what will happen out of you know, habit and noth- nothing else much going on. Trust the method. Trust, yeah. Trust it. And the other thing um, in that is uh, really coming to this meditation with a sense of receptivity. You know how we've talked about when you open to sounds, you can just be like sitting still in the middle of a concert hall and just let sounds come to you. You don't have to go out to find them. Similarly, when you open up in this way, think about just being in a really receptive place. You don't have to conduct the symphony. You're just there to listen to it. And the symphony's happening at the Sixth Sense Door. You know, there are six instruments playing this symphony. So you just settle back. Now it's the ear. Now it's the body. Now it's the thought. And you're just there to receive them all. So kind of strengthen the receptivity and just let things come. They'll come. Okay, so if you like, um, play with this balance between focus on your anchor and this open, choiceless attention. If you feel a little scattered, come back to your anchor and collect. When you feel a little collected, try this venturing into the wider space, which can bring in a sense of ease and effortless uh, meditation. And you can play with that through your, through your sittings uh, today. Okay, so uh, please have a mindful day. Notice that your thoughts may go to the future this morning, and continue to notice that as thinking. All right. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org